Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Museum curators often add objects to their collections in a slow and intentional way. The process may include research, writing a rationale, then running the proposal through a committee. In recent years, the Smithsonian National Museum of American History has tried something different. Through a rapid response approach, they've managed to acquire materials related to history as it unfolds. They've acquired artifacts related to the early pandemic, the Lafayette Square protest crackdown, and objects related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Among the artifacts related to January 6th in the Smithsonian are a black protective vest worn by photographer Madeline Kelly, which was slashed by a knife-wielding rioter and banners, signs, and flags expressing support for former President Donald Trump. But the jewel of the Smithsonian's newest collection is a deep ocean blue J. Crew men's suit, the blue suit worn by Representative Andy Kim as he picked up trash in the Capitol building in the aftermath of the riots. An object may seem unremarkable, but then a person activates it in a way that transforms its meaning and gives it a life beyond its intended purpose. Often, these things are kept in our storage units, garages, or even tucked away in the back of a closet. But sometimes these objects, which tell a story, end up in the Smithsonian. The story about your blue suit is actually the inspiration for my series, and so I'm just so um, honored to speak to you today. Yeah, well, thank you. I've been looking forward to this, so I appreciate that you reached on out. This is The Blue Suit, a podcast about the commonplace things that touch our lives and the uncommon people that transform them into something remarkable. I'm Shinyi Pai. Today, The Blue Suit. What does it mean to live a good life? On the acclaimed podcast, No Small Endeavor, produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, theology professor Lee C. Camp explores this question every week, sitting down with courageous and impassioned people from all walks of life, like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. Like our show, the podcast covers intimate stories from the past and future, from conversations on cultural Korean beauty standards with TED Talk's daily host, Elise Hu, to discussions on how our religious differences should be treasured with Interfaith America founder, Ibu Patel. Together, they'll figure out what it means to find true happiness and how we can all flourish in our day-to-day life. Don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker and host of The New Yorker Fiction Podcast. On the podcast, I ask a great contemporary writer to select a favorite story from the magazine's almost 100-year archive to read and discuss. Together, we delve into the story, exploring its themes, its style, and what makes fiction work. 
You can listen to authors like Otessa Moshfeg talk about why we write. Story, or attaching a story or creating a story, is this inclination that we all have to stop spinning. And you can hear writers like George Saunders discuss the nature of storytelling. On the first read, you accept these things as descriptions, and they make you see the scene. But every line is a chance to inflect the reader's mind. You'll discover new favorite authors and read old favorites in new ways. Episodes of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast are released on the first of every month. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Congressman Andy Kim catapulted into the national spotlight when a news photo of him went instantly viral. On January 6, 2021, he was photographed in a surgical mask and blue suit while picking up trash on the Capitol Rotunda after rioters were cleared from the building. An Asian-American public servant kneels on the ground, collecting garbage. Doing something unremarkable. Something any of us might have done if put in that situation. The blue suit on its own is the opposite of outlandish or showy. It's deep ocean blue. It's not flashy at all. And it was purchased with frugality in mind. It's a you know, blue J. Crew suit that I picked up off the rack for 50% off during a holiday sale. But now it's a piece of history. Congressman Kim bought the now-legendary blue suit for Democratic festivities, foremost in his thoughts. I bought the blue suit initially to be a suit of celebration. It was to be something that I wear to President Biden's inauguration. And I wanted to wear it that day on January 6th because that was the day that we were going to certify the election results. Andy Kim is an American politician and former diplomat. He worked for the U.S. State Department in Afghanistan as a civilian advisor to Generals David Petraeus and John R. Allen, before working as a national security advisor under President Barack Obama. Since 2019, he served as state representative of New Jersey. I represent a district that's 85% white with less than 3% Asian American population that voted for Trump twice. And as an Asian American, he is the first Korean American Democrat in history to be elected to Congress. So this was going to be an ability for me in Congress to do something I've never done before, which is participate in the Electoral College count. And that was really exciting to me. And I thought, wouldn't this be really symbolic and memorable if I'm wearing this suit for the Electoral College count and then wear it again at his inauguration. So I I certainly intended for the suit to play, to have some symbolism to it, to feel like I was, understand the history that I was being a part of at that time. You know, for me as a son of immigrants, uh, married to an immigrant, to be able to now be at the inauguration of a president. It was my first time being able to go to an inauguration as a congressperson. So I was very excited about that. So that's why I wore the blue suit on January 6th. After taking cover during the riot, Congressman Kim didn't head home. He returned to the House chamber, which was littered with broken glass. In a Twitter thread, Congressman Kim recounted how senators and representatives reconvened to gather in a moment of solidarity. That lasted all of 35 minutes and 53 seconds. When the subject turned back to election fraud, Congressman Kim's colleagues held fast to their narrative of a stolen election. 
Congressman Kim walked out of the House chamber. He entered the rotunda. The rotunda, in my opinion, is the most beautiful room in America. It's this room that has inspired me my entire life. I still remember when my parents brought me to the Capitol for the very first time when I was a child. And I think of it as the center point of our democracy. It is sacred ground in my mind. So when I saw it on the evening of January 6th after the riot had been ended, I really just felt my heart breaking that this beautiful room that has endured for centuries was in such shambles. And so I just, uh, I wanted to do something. Congressman Kim left the rotunda and then he turned around and went back. He got some garbage bags from police officers at the scene. So I just decided to start cleaning. It was very instinctual. I just started picking up every piece of, of trash and debris and garbage, broken flags, broken furniture, until every piece was cleaned up. And then I went and just started doing the rest of the Capitol. Congressman Kim cleaned for an hour and a half. He was photographed in his blue suit, kneeling on the floor with a garbage bag in one hand, picking up water bottles with the other. The next day, an interviewer asked him what he thought of the photographs. I literally just responded, what photographs? The photographs depict a solitary Asian-American man in a dress suit kneeling on the ground, his gaze cast downwards, his eyebrows set, while collecting trash. He carries on, picking up the detritus left behind by rioters. And though this wasn't any part of what got reported in news stories nor any national conversation, in the background of that same photo stands a Confederate statue of Charles Brantley Aycock, the 50th governor of North Carolina. Aycock was involved in planning white supremacy campaigns that led to the massacre of black citizens in Wilmington. But Congressman Kim is clearly the focal point of the photograph. And this photo received a lot of attention. Asian Americans like me deeply resonated with that picture of a quiet moment of strength and character. People wrote to Congressman Kim about how moving that image was to them. Tom Malinowski, another representative from New Jersey, said it was the most poignant moment of the long night. But Congressman Kim doesn't quite get all the fuss. What I was doing was not extraordinary. It's an act of service. Service isn't just about giving speeches on the floor of the House of Representatives or passing legislation. Sometimes it's just about rolling up your sleeves and doing what's necessary to be able to push forward. I very much that day came to see my job as one of being a caretaker. And I really that night came to realize that the Capitol building is the physical manifestation of Article One of the Constitution. It is the brick and mortar form of those words. So to defile and disgrace the Capitol building is to defile and disgrace the Constitution, which I have sworn an oath multiple times in my life to protect and defend. Well, you know, Asian Americans don't always want to call attention to themselves. It's, you know, very much, I think, a model minority impulse to kind of fly under the radar. Is it hard to stick out or receive so much attention in your own experience? 
Absolutely. I didn't want to do those interviews. I, in fact, talked to my wife about whether I should even talk about the photograph. What she reminded me is that that people needed some sense of hope that day. But Congressman Kim did get attention, so much so that the Smithsonian called months later asking if he'd donate his suit to the museum as an artifact that could represent one piece of the story of that day. Congressman Kim was on the road when the Smithsonian phoned. He was deeply surprised by their request. Like, why would they want this? I even remember telling them it's just a off-the-rack suit that I got 50% off. You know, I was planning to never wear it again. I just threw it in the back of my closet. I even thought about just throwing it away because it just brought back such terrible memories. He told the museum he needed some time to think about it. As he did, he looked at some of the thoughts and responses he had received in the mail. Thousands of handwritten letters and cards landed at his office from people all over the country. They wanted to tell me what that image meant to them. His perspective shifted. The more he read people's words, the more he spoke with his wife, the more he came to see what other people saw. I started to understand this in a different light and started to understand you know, the role that this simple act and that simple image might play in helping people turn the corner from one of the darkest days of our democracy and start to think about how to literally pick up the pieces in our country and move forward. Making sense of violence takes time. Healing can be a long process. In the immediate aftermath, there's shock, going through the motions to take care of what needs to get done, pulling yourself together enough to keep functioning, and figuring out how to be present for your kids when you're a parent to young children. Congressman Kim returned home to New Jersey a few days after January 6th. I actually drove straight to my kids' daycare. It was actually a very emotional drive back. I had to twice pull over on the side of, on the shoulder of I-95 because I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And I remember my older son, then five years old, came out and he kind of walked out kind of quietly and he gave me a big hug and he asked me if I was all right. And I kind of looked at my wife and, you know, traded glances with her because she told me, you know, she didn't mention anything to him. And I, I asked him, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. What's, why do you ask? And he said, I, I, he said something about hearing that something happened at my work. It was a very tender moment. I, I don't think I've ever seen in a moment where my five-year-old was concerned about my own health and my own safety. How do you explain what happened to your kids? I've failed now for over a year to explain to my kids what happened on January 6th. They came to the uh, Capitol a couple weeks later uh, when we were coming in for the inauguration. And you know, they saw all the soldiers and service members around the building. They knew something was different. But I've still, yeah, I've yet to find the words. You know, I think maybe that was also why I felt like it was important to support the Smithsonian because they are the ones that tell the American story. They're one of the prime vehicles by which we understand 
the history and the story of this country. And I, I think it's so important. And I also see how hard it is for me to do just in my own family. So how do we tell that story more broadly to other Americans, especially for generations that, that are not born yet? You know, how do we keep telling them the story of this moment in time? As a people, we need images of everyday American heroism. And we need those heroes to represent all of us. For those of us who are Asian American, we have been living through a time of a historic rise in anti-Asian hate crime that has relentlessly targeted our elders and women. We have been blamed for the pandemic. We need and deserve stories that help us to remember our own humanity, our own contributions to society, and our right to be seen and valued for who we are. Stories that humanize us to those who see us only as two-dimensional model minority outsiders. Congressman Kim was caught up in a moment that was so much bigger than an act of cleaning up. As an Asian American person in the Capitol, his quiet actions spoke volumes to who we are as a people and a country, what we value, what we're about. And when you see this mob descending upon the Capitol, waving around Confederate flags inside this sacred building, you can't help but dawn on the question of, of what does it mean to be American right now? I'm a father of a four-year-old and a six-year-old, two Asian-American baby boys. And I don't know what comes next in this country, and that leaves me as a parent with a lot of anxiety. I think about that question every single day, but I don't know what that answer is yet. The Smithsonian hasn't yet placed Congressman Kim's suit on view. They continue to collect objects that tell the history of January 6th, even as we continue to make sense of it. The blue suit is just one small piece of that day. Right now, the question and the storyline of what happened on January 6th and what impact that has on America's future is very much at stake still. There is a truth about what happened that day, but the truth is, is not always what ends up driving the story in different people's minds. So it's important that we continue to push on this and try to make sure that people remember that day for what it is. Let the truth be the truth. Thanks so much for listening to this first season of The Blue Suit. Stay tuned for more soon. And don't forget to share your special objects with us on Instagram. Tag at KUOW and use the hashtag BlueSuitPod. Do you think about your outfits differently now, knowing that there can be a lasting pop culture or museum implication for what you wear to work? <laughs> no, not, not really. I try to do this job uh, as comfortably as I can. I've yet to, to go and pick up a, a new suit to replace the one that I, I donated last year. So I'm down a suit right now. So I've, I've, I should probably try to uh, check out if there are any uh, sales on the racks. <laughs> but I, I don't think I'll ever have another article of clothing 
have that kind of uh, have that kind of uh, symbolism and and recognition again. The Blue Suit is produced by KOW in Seattle. Our host, writer, and creator is me, Shin Yi Pai. Whitney Henry Lester produced this episode. Jim Gates is our editor. Tomo Nakayama wrote our theme music. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti, Tio Popescu, Hans Twite, Melissa Takai, and Brendan Sweeney. Special thanks to the Windrose Fund for their financial support. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast.